Hello debaters, Kyle here. Before we get started, I've got some exciting news. Debate This has been nominated for the Columbus Podcast Awards in the comedy category. It's already a huge honor to be nominated, but we'll need your help if we want to win. So please go to columbuspodcastawards.com and follow the links to vote for us in the comedy category, or follow the handy link that we've included in the show notes, bit.ly slash debate vote. Thank you always for your support. Keep telling your friends about us and enjoy this week's episode. There's just a couple times where it's going to sound a little iffy, but I'm always talking about the mana in the game and not the color of your skin. Um, Open your mouth, prepare your tongue, because you're about to get a taste. I cannot believe we've gone 12 episodes without me being able to talk about Final Fantasy. Well, I know the doll is bad, so I gotta think the dusty balloon is less bad. I mean, if all life everywhere ends, what have I lost? Facial hair as a theme is not something I ever would have chosen. Yeah, that's the one that Rock is just sweaty the whole time. He's got that good, good pointy Jafar beard. (laughs) I've got three pages of AMA citations. This is the Debate This Podcast. Welcome to Debate This, a show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comics, video games, and how Reggie stepping down from Nintendo of America is the end of an era. Seriously. Pour one out for Reggie, guys. I high-key cried at work today. I'm not going to lie. I was really upset that he posted a picture of him cleaning out his office, and I oh. high-key cried at work. My body wasn't ready for that. Good, good for him. Like, obviously, people need to move on and do different things in their lives, but it's going to be weird. It's going to be real weird that the president of Nintendo America's name is Bowser. That's real good. That's the best part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's our show, everybody. Thanks for <laughs> tuning in to the this. <laughs> <laughs> real, a real hot take. Um, so this week we are doing a uh, another uh, flavor text, and um, it is a it is about a subject very near and dear to my heart, and we'll we'll get into that right now. So in 1993, Richard Garfield, PhD, uh, created a little game uh, to play with his friends in between sessions of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, he wanted something quick but deep, easy to pick up uh. but hard to master. Um, and he combined the idea of collecting baseball cards with their like stats and rarities uh, with the fantasy he liked in his uh, D&D games. Uh, 25 years later, Magic the Gathering is an international success with prize pools in the millions um, competing for the same esports stage as companies like Epic and Blizzard. But behind that collectible card game is actually a very deep story that has spanned decades and today i'm gonna break down the first part of it for you that was my favorite behind the music intro (laughs) ever (laughs) i'm waiting for the part where the band got popular and then got hooked to hard drugs (laughs) yeah but behind those cards is a very dark (laughs) story i just want to go back and and pick up on the pun that we missed which was quick and deep um, which I'm pretty sure Ooh, I yeah. met at least three guys in college who called themselves that. Gross. Oh. 
Cha-ching. Um, so with me today to have the lore of Magic the Gathering explained to them are Andrew, Irtai Wizard Adept Henderson, Todd, Lynn Civi, Defiant Hero Thomas, Good. and Matt, Molimo, Morrow, Sorcerer, Cole. You, you put our names through a random syllable generator. <laughs> That's what you did. I actually have my name tattooed across my knuckles. It's five lines on each <laughs> finger. Uh, those are all, those are all um, important characters from the magic story who were not important enough to make this breakdown. Good. Actually. <laughs> but, that, but like just for, so real talk for, for just a second, because um, I think we all have differing levels of magic, but uh, fun fact, Flavor Text, the name of this podcast, well, then a podcast, is exactly what we're talking about today, which is the which is the the text on the Magic the Gathering cards. That is, is that I think that's where that term comes from. It is right? where it is where that term comes from. It is the text that is not rules text on Magic cards. Um, did we just go meta? Is that what we just we went did? Full meta. So I'm I've got five pages here, guys. Uh, we'll get into it into a second, in a second. But I just want to. Um, before we do dive in, I just want to let you all know, while there are books, there are novels written about this story. Like, they, this, this all comes from novels written in the 90s and early 2000s. 90% of the people who played Magic and knew the story didn't read those books. Um, most people... <laughs> Is had, it only 90%? <laughs> who knows? Um, most people got this story just from the flavor text on cards and the art on those cards. Um, and then that, that guy at their comic shop who, who did read the books <laughs> and told it to them secondhand. Um, so I'm going to be that guy for you today. And... Um, condense about 15 years worth of story hopefully into just a couple hours oh boy hopefully hopefully who's ready my body is reggie i guess me i don't know i'm definitely not hiding in my girlfriend's closet to talk about magic the gathering with my friends on the internet right now that's certainly not what i'm doing of course not why would you that would be silly yeah um i We'll say, though, that the coolest part of Magic the Gathering for me as someone who has never played or known anything about Magic the Gathering is the art. It's very rad. I like it a lot. Oh, it's so rad. The art is so good. Um, and like I said, it's because uh, that's where they put a bulk of these like story beats into for players to see. So, um, yeah, the art is great. Um, we're going to try and get I've got some visual cues for the guys here that so they can. Um, know what some of these characters and places look like throughout the story. And we're going to try and get those in the footnotes for you when we do post this episode, but let's, let's get into it. So before I get into the, the actual story, um, I'm going to take a brief swerve and talk about just like the, uh, the mana, the color pie, how, how quote unquote magic works core in mechanics. this game. Yeah. The, the core of magic is, put into its um its mana system and color pie. Uh color pie refers to the, the five different factions within magic. That's the YouTube guy that everyone hates. Stop it. <laughs> that was very good, Todd. Uh, really nobody good. laughed enough at that. That was very good. 
That's that's a real thinker. I'm gonna sit and sit on the toilet and think about that later. Um, so, pie. But these these two aspects have allowed magic to um, they move from world to world, um, adopt aspects of different cultures. Every every world, the story takes place in a multiverse. Every world kind of ta- has a different ish, a different thing about it, and um, the color pie really tra- like tr- is easily transferable to these new ideas. Um, and has kind of let it stay relevant moving from the niche world it started in in like 90s comic book stores to being one of Hasbro's like flagship properties. Um, and except for a few angry people who you can't ever please, um, <laughs> uh, Magic's kept its identity over the last 20 years. L- very, very little of those two core systems have changed. And um, in, ter- in regards to the mana system, every other collectible card game I've played has not been able to quite get the what the magic mana system has accomplished. But I think you can argue that every like tr- collectible trading card game is really built on magic. I mean, I'm thinking Yu-Gi-Oh, even Pokemon. You know, the systems that they've they've they maybe they tweak things and they build on things, but it all goes back to that core at the magic. at the very least every every card game has to be like focused through the lens of we exist in the same world as magic as magic yeah. the gathering um it is it is the or at least it was i don't know where it stands now with like hearthstone but it was the largest collectible card game by a long shot for 20 years so wait is Hearthstone also a physically no. like handled? Okay, mm-hmm. my bad. I, I was like, wait a second. Digital, so yeah, it is different. So having said all that, um, the magic is built on its five colors of mana. the The lore the lore behind it is um, you you channel one of these colors of mana based on connections you have to different locations. Uh, they're represented in the game by lands um so you you know you channel your red mana from the mountains and your blue mana from the islands and each of these different colors of mana has its own distinct properties and the characters that affiliate with these colors have their own personalities to kind of match um so i'm going to kind of run through these real quick and kind of hope to try and catch you guys up to that um so we're we'll we'll go in order um so we have white is uh the color of equality, peace and justice. Um they get their they draw their mana from planes. Um it is typically the color of like armies, non-lethal methods of of dealing with creatures. Um it's also the color of like buffs and um healers are a big one associated with white mana. And one one thing Kyle, I you said the word planes and I feel like we're going to hear that word a lot tonight. Uh, because magic uses planes all the fucking time. Now this is like P L A I P L A I N S. Yes, planes, oh. planes like the fields, like the great of planes, grass, like the great yeah. planes. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> thanks for the clarification. That, yeah, that thank helps. you, Andrew. That that um, answers yeah. the first question I've had today. Yeah, they're not just like all flyboys. Yes. <laughs> um. So these are white. Also, typically has um. The smallest creatures, they like to make lots of small creatures. 
they deal with um, enchantments and equipment and weapons and um, kind of area of effect attacks, um, just things like destroying everyone's creatures or everyone's lands, stuff like that. And um, the every every color's got kind of its big splashy iconic creature. Um, and for white, that is going to be angels. Um, angels are kind of these beings of pure mm-hmm. white mana. We'll move on to blue, which values knowledge, um, misdirection, and seeking out perfection. Uh, this is usually the color of like mental magic, trickery, artifacts, and artificiers, which is actually a big wing of magic lore. Um, you know, magical artifacts. They're usually it's usually associated with like water and wind. It is the only color that really has counter spells. It's the color that most will like draw you more cards from your deck. Um, but they do have usually the weak, the weakest creatures. Um, and their big, splashy, iconic creature are um, sphinxes with their like riddles and and puzzles are ve- a very quote unquote blue creature. Blue decks are, I would say, traditionally the hardest. Use. Blue blue is like traditionally the favorited the favored color of magic players because they get to feel real smart and and smarmy. It's the fox. It's the fox of the magic universe. Exactly. Um so I'll move on to black after that. Oh, I uh, blue draws its mana from islands, typically. Um so moving on from that, we move to black. Um is the color of like power and ambition and greed. Uh, they draw their mana from swamps. Uh, this color usually is associated with death, necromancers, um, wealth, sacrifice, and it is the deck that will make kind of the the dark deals. Um, so you you can get a really big effect um, at the cost of usually like life or some other resource besides mana. They they it is the color of like zombies and disease, um, usually resource denial. So it'll like cut you off from your land so you can't cast your spells. And their big splashy creature are demons. And that there's a whole history there where they didn't use demons for a while because they were tied up in the whole satanic panic of uh <laughs> of the nineties. Oh yeah. Um but their their big splashy creature are demons. Most importantly, the edge, the black decks bringing the edge. Yeah. Oh, they they oh, are yeah. like they. Kind of, you can You might cut yourself yeah. on the edge. Especially especially the time period we're going to talk about today. Uh, they're very like they're very '90s edgy, like early '90s edgy mm-hmm. uh, personalities. Um, so moving on from black to red. Um, red is the color of passion and creativity and freedom. Uh, freedom would be the word I would want to take away from that. Um, their spells usually are tied with fire and lightning, um, you know, uncontrollable rage, anarchy. Um, there's been a push more recently to add in some other motion, emotions besides just like rage. Um, they've realized they kind of walked red into a, into a corner so they've been trying to give it a little more room with by opening it up to some other emotions um but yeah it's the color of fire and speed and uncontrollable magic 
Um, and their big splashy creature are dragons, which are the just across throughout magic's lore are dragons. Dragons are everywhere um, because they're dragons and they're awesome. Um, and that leaves us with green. Um, it's the color of growth and life. The noob trap. The noob <laughs> trap. It's uh, definitely the color that has the largest creatures. So new players tend to gravitate towards that. Um, it's also the color of like ramp, life gain. It's also got buffs. It shares that with white. Um, and a big part, a big part of its identity is being against anything unnatural. Um, so it will, it will tear down cities. It will destroy these artifacts that we're going to talk about. Um, it's the most resistant to change as well. Um, and their big iconic creature are going to be hydras um, with their, you know, you cut off one head, more grow back. It is the color of growth kind of thing. And we will kind of stop here for questions. Any, anything you guys need cleared up? You guys all. I think all that. I think if, if anyone is even remotely familiar with Magic the Gathering or has seen more than four cards in one place at one time, they've probably seen mana. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think that was probably the first, as, even as like a second grader, I was like, oh, I draw my power from this. Mm-hmm. And then when I didn't get into Magic the Gathering and I got into Pokemon cards, like, oh, this concept super makes sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, stuff like this is pretty straightforward. And like, I think that Magic probably did it first, but it has been ripped off by literally everyone else so if you have any yeah. experience with pokemon or Yu-Gi-Oh or i don't know the digimon card trading game <laughs> which existed um this should feel familiar and it definitely does for me yeah man talk about showing up to a party late yeah. like yeah <laughs> i've never seen the digimon trading card game but i know it existed i had i had the cards yeah i got exactly one box pack that is all that I ever owned. <laughs> the ones, the ones that exist. I, I think it's important to, to say though, Magic has somehow uniquely done it and included those colors and the typing so eloquently in in the entire game. Like every, like when you build a red deck, your strategy is very different. Like you mm-hmm. are you are trying to overwhelm mm-hmm. with with absolute power, and everything has different abilities, and they change the abilities all the time but they all ladder up to that same core it, idea. It still feels very, yeah, when you build a red deck, it feels very red. You could build it in the, yeah. in the city set or the, the Egypt set or the, uh, the haunted set, but it's always, you're always feeling like you're playing a red deck or a blue deck. And I think Magic is still the only card game to have been able to do something so... Uh, Deep, like have that that mentality so deeply ingrained in its mechanics because there's a lot of card games out there I mean like Ascension or Dominion or things where yeah there are different types of cards and you can build combos and you can you can do you can run certain strategies but nothing is as deep and eloquent as the the five color system in my opinion yes all right so if you guys are all feel pretty solid on that um I'll do one last color thing that I wanted to do before I move on to the next part Going off the just the hosts of this podcast, um, Todd, I would call you our most white host. Um, 
<laughs> not, not right. Well, I don't like how that sounded, but we'll keep yeah. going. There's a couple times. There's just a couple times where it's gonna sound a little iffy, but I'm always talking about the mana in the game and not the color of your skin. Um, <laughs> there's our cold open. Yep, non- there it is. Non-lethal, non-lethal methods of removal, healing buffs typically associated with small creatures. All right. Um, Todd. So Todd, I would call you. I would as- most associate you with with white. Um, the more the more peace and justice and works well it. on a team thing. Um Andrew, I'm gonna put you in our most as our most blue character. And um, Fair enough. Matt, I would probably put you as our most green uh host. Um Oh, is with, that because I'm the noob? I just got no. thrown into the noob trap. <laughs> no. Yeah. God it's, damn it. Well, it's it's actually because you're kind of noob the most trap. you're the most noob like trap. crunchy. Of uh, of us <laughs> is wait the most what you there was the a most drop cr- crunchy the most crunchy crunchy, crunchy. Yeah. or grungy like granola yeah like granola you're the most granola or grungy that works it's, too well it's also because Kyle wanted to say he is a perfect mix of black and red and will destroy us mm-hmm. all I I like to think of myself as red but who who knows I I also feel like I can't be a good judge of that for myself um so that was my fun little. You got that. That's the color you, you guys fall into. Neat. So we'll move on to one last little bit of like things you need to understand before we dive into the deep story. And that is uh, magic. The Magic the Gathering story um, takes place in a multiverse. And um, the, the worlds in this multiverse are, call, are referred to as planes, uh, P L A N E S, not. There it is. Not. P L A I N S, like which we just got done L-A-N-S. talking about it's, and saying that that was the plane we were going to reference. It's super. Con- sorry, I read ahead. It's <laughs> deliberately super. It's not deliberately. It's super confusing. Um, it's super confusing for everybody. But think like these are planes, like um, like the math, like a flat surface in on a graph. Um, so each world is called referred to as a plane. Um, and there are magic un- users in the multiverse known as planes walkers that can naturally travel between these planes. It's and it, due to an inherent ability they are born with called a spark. It's always a bit. There's always a a big moment when their spark quote unquote ignites, and they like they'll mad like randomly just teleport themselves to another plane because <laughs> they have no idea what's going on. Nice. But originally, and for like most of this story I'm telling today, planeswalkers were um, incredibly powerful, almost gods. Um, they were immortal and powerful to the point where they weren't rep- ever represented on cards. Um, the idea was that hmm. um, the, the two players playing the game were planeswalkers dueling each mm. other. Ah, so uh, to to okay. summon in another planeswalker would just be like either beyond your ability or unfair because you were calling. It was in. like, um, hey, I gotta go call my friend Brad. Hold on, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, they were later depowered. Um, we'll talk about that today. Um, how they were depowered. Um, but for most of this story, we're we are talking about immortal beings, and um, the core of this story is about the battles of these planeswalkers can't wait any questions before we dive any questions on anything we've talked about before we dive into the story so are, are planeswalkers like a rate i guess this is the same question that we asked in the eternals but how many planeswalkers <laughs> are there like are are there 
an, uh, is it a race? Are there like a finite number? So that's left deliberately ambiguous because um, planeswalkers are very popular. So they're always just going to like, when people get tired of one, they're going to bring, bring in more. Um, but it is, it's not a race. It's, it's people that contain this spark. Um, uh, so there are elf planeswalkers. There's a goblin planeswalker. Uh, there's a demon planeswalker. Uh, the first one we're going to talk about is a dragon. Um, so it can be any being of that has, you know, some level of intelligence. It just has to contain that like inherent ability to teleport to other planes. It's the inhuman gene. They just have they, yeah, they have the inhuman gene. There yep. it is. All right. You've got the you've got it inside of you, and then you've got to like go through some usually traumatic experience to um, ignite it, which will the will... things in your blood activate, and then you can control the force. You gotta you gotta battle Frieza, and then you can go to the astral. All plane. Mm. all of those things. Yes to everything. Puberty is so weird for different races because like some people's <laughs> bodies change, some people's voices change, some people wake up on a different plane of existence. Yes. You like like when I was twelve, I got surprise math boners. But imagine <laughs> if, if instead of a surprise math boner, I you just got, ended you up got in hell at recess, and yeah, transported to like a a yeah. demon a demon world with no yeah. idea what to do. With a instead boner. of having with instead of boner. having to <laughs> instead of instead of having to hide an embarrassing situation in your umbro shorts, you were at battle with a a plain walking dragon. Yeah, and my. The math book in front of my pants uh, exploded into flames. <laughs> Can we make any more jokes about this? Are, are we I'm, done? I'm, have we used, I think up, all, have we used I think up all our boner material for now? That's it. All right. That's it. I think that's all, all right. the boner manner, boner mana we've got. Hey, there's one more. <laughs> I'll wait, wait, wait. I'll tap that. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, there Someone it is. had to make that joke. Yeah. At all least right. we're done with it early. Oh, it'll keep. It'll come back. Don't worry. <laughs> all right. So. Let's get into the story. Um, so the very first like recorded quote unquote event that happened in magic history is what they call the Great Dragon War. Sweet. So it had Fuck yeah. It had yeah. these this, this story is so metal. I'm so it's excited. So it's so 90s comic books. Like it's so like <laughs> Yeah. Like we're not understood. <laughs> stuff so this war saw these elder dragons fighting with more normal dragons for supremacy over the plane dominaria which is going to be kind of the core plane for the first for this first part of the story everything's gonna happen to dominaria um the elder dragons won they defeated the normal dragons. Um, and obviously. Obviously. And then fought amongst themselves for further leadership over the elder dragons. There were five siblings that kind of came out on top with the planeswalker Nicole Bolas, an elder dragon, killing his four other siblings. Um, ignite, it ignited his planeswalker spark. And he became the first planeswalker of our story. First planeswalker of our story, but like not of all time necessarily. Not uh, not necessarily. Um, okay. The the thing I read, the videos I watched, there were 
older planeswalkers, but kind of they didn't do anything that we care about yet. Got it. Um, he kills his siblings, becomes ascends to a planeswalker, and fights a he fights a demon, uh, this big demon that wants to eat and destroy Dominaria. He fights it and kills it, and that event is so catastrophic it creates the first of these time rifts that are going to kind of be central to our story um it's just these like points these events that are so big they like create these kind of doctor who stuck moments in time events they're so they're like checkpoints they're they're, they're fast travel checkpoints they're like checkpoints but they're also really really bad like okay they're, they're like scars like oh, to okay the, to yeah like that time tracks. and space they're if they're the journal sense. entries in in ashton kutcher's butterfly effect yes exactly so like i just they, need to like pause this podcast and put dragon force in my other headphones <laughs> <laughs> yeah. or like man of war if master of puppets isn't playing through this whole podcast we've done something <laughs> wrong also we've been content id'd and we've probably been taken down yes that yeah. too so we've we've kind of had our first of these like time rifts, time scars happen to Dominaria. Um, and we've met our first planeswalker. And Nicole Bolas is actually gonna be the big bad for like part two of this story. Like he kind of goes away for most of this, the rest of today. But he's important to know because he sets up the first time rift and he's our first planeswalker. He's also really smart. He's got like nine jillion different schemes going on at the same time and um he's he's a big dragon planeswalker now here's a question are are the planeswalkers like primarily tied to a specific mana color um no so there's planeswalkers of all of all colors um every every magic user has kind of their preferred colors or whatever sure um nicole bolas whenever he shows up is red black blue okay so, i was just curious yeah no so, i mean and it makes sense based upon like the characteristics of his story he's probably not white and green yeah and i'm glad you asked because i i want to kind of just whenever we introduce a new character i'll kind of tell you their colors um yeah and Nicole- kyle I, question i don't know a lot about old old magic but that was like to have three colors that was like a big deal at the time. huge right? deal um at the time that uh the nicole bolas card came out only the other four elder dragons had three colors. Everything else was at best two colors. Everything else was one color. Like mm-hmm. it was a big deal at the time to be three colors. So um, red, black, green or red, black, blue. I'm sorry. Means he's very, he's very conniving. He's very like power hungry and he's very, um the red means he's just very motivated to do it is kind of the best way to think about it so that's nicole bolas and the dragon war um we're gonna jump forward a few thousand years um and in, and kind of set up the big bad of our story uh the phyrexians which are a race of techno zombies is the nice hell yeah (laughs) hell yeah dude the best way i can put it um this art oh my god is so good yeah so if if you guys want to go ahead if you didn't open um number two of your pictures and look at nicole bolas he's a big he's a big dragon with a floating gem between his horns whoa 
Um, yeah, he's he's pretty rad. Um, the Phyrexian though fucking looks like the like an either like an awesome album cover or like the front of a David Lynch movie. Yeah, these are all yeah. these are all. I've got three pictures of kind of representative Phyrexians in in our thing. That's gonna be five, six, and seven. Um, yeah, they are beings, undead beings who are trying to find the most, you know, their their best form by mashing together like flesh and metal in whatever shape it takes. Um, Can I just for a hot second, I need to go I, for it. So the Yogmoth, is that it? Is that a thing? That is that is our that is he is our big bad. He is the leader of the Phyrexians. I know Don't I'm, read ahead. I'm not just a little bit, but like I just need to explain this picture to anyone who doesn't like have time to look at these pictures or is driving and can't I've got the perfect way to describe the picture that I'm looking at. Are you looking? You to what, hear it. Which one are you looking at? Number three. 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 Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, I if you if you know the movie or the the videos of Pink Floyd's The Wall, and and I want you to think of the actual wall from Pink Floyd's The Wall, and then I want you to imagine if Iron Maiden did an entire cover album of The Wall what the cover of Iron Maiden's The Wall would look like. And you have yes. the picture that I am looking at right that now. That is accurate. So, That's yeah, accurate. You, are looking at, you are looking at Noah Bradley's art for the card Yogmoth's Vile Offering, which, like, hits a big story beat that we'll cover later. It is sick, sick art. It is so good looking. Um, Yogmoth is this, yeah, he's... He has assumed the form of this giant arena, basically. And that character you see standing in the foreground is like about to go battle his mentor to death. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Um, so on Dominaria, we've got the Thran, which are this race of artificiers. They're not human, but they might as well be. Um, and they... <laughs> <laughs> It's the best way I could describe it. Like they're yeah, no, no, you're good. It is its own race within magic, but like how they're different from humans, I couldn't tell you. It's like half the races in Star Trek; they're just blue or green people. Yeah, Um, yeah. So they've inhabited Dominaria kind of after this Dragon War. Um, Nicole Bolas is is out scouring the multiverse for knowledge, so he's not involved in this anymore. so there is one Thran who becomes doctor to the king, I think, um, because he saves the king's daughter from dying because he's a necromancer. So he's like this doctor who upset, got, became obsessed with death, became a necromancer. The king of Dominaria? The king of the Thran. <laughs> the yeah. Um, does it really matter? The king doesn't matter. Yogmoth does. Cool. Um, so Yogmoth is obsessed with um with death and disease and power and def- and overcoming death. With the help of this planeswalker, they f- Yogmoth finds a plane to the portal or finds a portal, I'm sorry, to the plane Phyrexia, which is a, a plane in and of itself filled with these techno zombies. He gets you know, through 
getting more and more into disease and and these like these methods of torture. He gets himself exiled to Phyrexia. Um, he kind of takes over the place and um, becomes the Lord of Machines on Phyrexia. He he's ruler of this plane, and he's um, trying to obtain this perfect undead state through what is known as phyresis, which just is the the zombie the zombification method of phyrexians. It turns you into this flesh metal hybrid zombie. And here he begins plotting his revenge on Dominaria. How are we feeling about that? I mean, I'm fucking in. I'm so in. Questions, concerns. Yeah. It is yeah, horrifying. I'm super down. Yeah. Oh yeah. It is it is like look at some of these pictures of uh that I've got here for uh Phyrexia. The phrase techno zombies is really like spot on yeah. though. Yeah. Like it's robots with like f- like gross flesh. Yeah. Um What is the what is the worst combination of machinery and flesh you can put together for a like graphic impact and that is what you find in different variations very, on these photos. Very inspired by um is it HR Geiger who did the alien movies? Like very inspired by Alien mm-hmm. yeah. and that yeah. that artwork. Um a lot of exposed muscle and bone, mm-hmm. like coating coating metal and like and like flesh kind of forced through hard metal. Very gross, very body horror, very nineties stuff. Yeah this this one dude has more zippers than a Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> it's very like the the scariest idea of cyborg that you could think of. Yeah, and yeah. it's great. Mm-hmm. It's so they're the the Phyrexians are just my favorite villains from any form of media. They're so terrifying and good. It kind of reminds me of like if you see a, like a mermaid or a merman, how aesthetically pleasing it is to see like, oh, they're part fish, part human, but both parts of it are beautiful. Imagine that's not the case. Yeah. And it's like flesh and robot. Yeah. Like that is flip yeah. the equation over and make it flesh and robot. And that is what you get. Like aesthetics are last on their list. Everything is uh-huh. form over function or just like getting it to work. So mm-hmm. everything's like forced together in this twisted awful thing so we're gonna jump forward a couple more centuries yogmoth's been banished to phyrexia and doing his own thing there um and we've got two new um two very powerful brothers who are artificiers so they they work with metal they they enchant you know enchant metal and get it to do all kinds of crazy things um Urza and Mishra. Urza will end up being the hero as much as Urza is a hero, as Urza kind of sucks too, um, of our story. <laughs> so these two brothers are are looking for they're out looking for uh this powerful ancient Thran artifact known as the Power Stone. Um just to power whatever inventions they're working on or whatever. The most generic ass MacGuffin. It just, it just shows yeah. you how much things have changed. Yeah. yeah. The, they're out looking for the MacGuffin. Um, yeah. yeah. The power stone they find is, um, keep, is the one keeping the portal to Phyrexia sealed. Sure. So they find it. They, want, they disagree on who should use the stone or if they should pull it from this 
odd looking pedestal that it's on or whatever. And they, they split the power stone in two <laughs> opening. Seems the, like a good call opening yeah. the portal. Yeah. Really great decision-making on the, on uh, Urza and Mishra's part. Um, opening the portal and they go to war over these two halves of the power stone. That's how badly they want it. Um, this is the, will be referred to as the brothers war um, in Dominarian history. So Urza is the better of the two as far as like at talent goes right now. So Mishra looks for a ally to help him beat his brother get the power stone back and he is met with the phyrexian demon gix which there should be a picture of gix in the image folder oh yep seems right think zora from legend of zelda but horrifying in muscle and metal yeah Yeah. Um, gix gets right to work manipulating mishra um kind of getting him to do what he wants thinking it's his idea and um transforming and starting to manipulate Mishra into doing things that would help advance Phyrexia into Dominaria. Mishra gets a an army of Phyrexians, goes to fight Urza. Um Urza unleashes this doomsday weapon he created because the the Phyrexians are starting to overwhelm him. He doesn't want to lose, obviously, so he um unleashes this weapon called the Golgarth, Golgothian Stylex. Doesn't matter. That's a hell of a name. (laughs) Yeah, right? Um, And wipes out everything. His army, Mishra's army, Mishra. um, Everyone except Urza on this battlefield is left standing. Urza ignites his Planeswalker spark. So Urza becomes a Planeswalker in this moment. He wins the, the quote-unquote brother's war. Fire, he seals off Phyrexia again um, to protect Dominaria. The unfortunate thing is Phyrexia, the, the key to Phyrexians spreading, they have this oil. Whatever it touches starts to transform into uh, more Phyrexians. So it's out in the world. It's like being bit by a zombie. Yeah, exactly. So this oil's out in the world doing its thing, making more Phyrexians already on um, Dominaria. So it's the bad, the bad has happened. So Urza gets to working on how to counteract the oil, how to fight back against Phyrexia. He's, he's very obviously upset that they corrupted his brother, forced him to kill him. Um, Urza creates... (laughs) A massive robot dragon. As one does. As one as you does. Do. <laughs> and sends it through the portal to basically like kamikaze attack Phyrexia. He destroys like a third of the plane with this like dragon and explosion and pisses Yogmoth off. Yogmoth, obviously. Um, this mm-hmm. is, you sure. know, Yogmoth has spent a, cent- a, a millennia now building this world into his image. Um, He uses mind magic to attack Urza with like a psychic attack. Urza tries to kind of planeswalk away with Yogmoth attached to his mind and kind of spreads this plague 
further throughout the multiverse. So like he's planet hopping basically. And every time he touches down more of the, the Phyrexian plague spreads across the multiverse. Uh Oh, done fucked up. I'm sure that's not an issue ever again. It's, though. No, don't. Why, why <laughs> would you need to worry about that? <laughs> he finally, he finally shakes him ends back up on Dominaria with a new, a new vigor to eradicate Phyrexia. He's, He's super pissed now. He was just pissed before. Now he's super pissed. For the record, before we get any get much further, um, Urza is usually depicted as a five color planeswalker, just because he's like he lives long enough to dip into every realm of magic. Um, with the core of him being blue for the artifacts, mm-hmm. um, and then Mishra is also a a blue mage with kind of hints of black and red in him um yogmoth is black if that wasn't is a black mage if that wasn't clear it was <laughs> good <laughs> this kind of sounds like the beginning to scientology <laughs> like, well you have like, you, you don't have to worry about your thetans yet so we're yeah, good no, yeah. Yeah. like no thetans here i was ready for you to be like Every universe has Phyrexians, and is that, and that is why we are all sad because we all have a little bit of Phyrexian in us. <laughs> no, no, there no. It is. none of that, none of that. That's actually uh, Kyle's third quarter turn in the story. He's like, actually, I've been telling you the history of Scientology, and you, you all owe me you money. Guys give, yeah, if you guys each give me two hundred dollars, I'll I'll clear you of the Phyrexian plague, and mm-hmm. and you'll and feel we ascend so, to the next level. Exactly. Yep. Well, I've I've given a lot more money than that to Wizards of the Coast over the years, so <laughs> that wouldn't be very far off. Um, God. All right. So, um, Urza's back on Dominaria. He's got a new a newfound hatred of Phyrexians. Um, so he founds the Academy of Talaria, which I've got a picture of in your in your images. One of the most busted cards in Magic's history. Um, if you look at that card, oh fuck! I don't know what that means. Why is it? Why is it, it good? It, it generates. So, at the time, wizards didn't know how to balance artifacts. Because they were color, their color artifacts were colorless, so like they could go into any deck. Didn't okay. know how to balance them in the game, so activating Talaria's uh, Academy, what is it, Talarian Academy, would typically generate like seven plus mana at a time, which is a lot. Oh, yeah, an easy, an easy exp. Yeah. Um, so he creates the Academy at Talar of Talaria. Um, he kind of goes and recruits other very you know other mages other planeswalkers he try he gets them all in his school to help him work on a a solution to the phyrexian problem or whatever one such is a uh time mage time mage named tefiri got an image of him in your search looks the hero ki- of dominaria the hero of dominaria looks kind of like um oh what idris elba are you Idris gonna say Elba. Idris Elba? Yep. Looks yeah, yeah, kind of like Idris Elba. Hundred percent, one hundred percent. Who he helps Urza create a time portal that Urza hopes to use to like stop him and his brother from opening the portal to Phyrexia, save his brother's life, undo all the bad things he did fighting the Phyrexians. Urza creates this golem uh, to, that 
goes through the portal that would go through the portal for him because you know same rules as everything you can't send organic matter through the time portal or whatever so he creates this golem made out of silver named karn um another important character got a picture of him in your notes oh that's my favorite band <laughs> the, the r is not backwards in this one karn karn a big beefy silver boy um so yeah we've got and we've got karn who's this he's this big beefy golem who just he the good news is he gets to stay in our story and keep doing badass things so they they you know they have karn their their man to go through the portal uh they fire up the time portal and surprise it explodes um first trial run of the portal it blows up destroys talarian academy kills almost everybody Urza's got another bad, another thing to feel terrible about, um, and uh, we've we've created another time rift. I should have mentioned um, the the Doomsday device created another time rift as well. When Urza sure, of course. destroyed the yeah. Phyrexians, we got another time rift. It was and, assumed, and yeah, we've got yeah. another one now. Um, the fun thing about this one is it it creates these weird pockets all over dominaria where time just goes screwy so you can like walk into this like time bubble and like time will speed up super fast and like you'll you'll age 80 years in in the two seconds you walk through the portal or you go in and time stops for for everyone around you kind of thing um so being the resourceful mage he is urza uses these time anomalies uh kind of like the hyperbolic time chamber in dragon ball z to Hell create yeah. a, a good cultural mm-hmm. touchstone for you um he'll send his students in there or he'll go into them into the ones that like slow time down and he'll study you'll still study for decades in a couple hours um so it gets him he uses these to kind of catch up on the like millennia head start yogmoth had on phyrexia to build his develop his technology or whatever unrelated note i've been trying to make training in a hyperbolic time chamber a key phrase in my professional life so i i wish you luck on that endeavor because it sounds great yeah it's not working terrible (laughs) it's also not working well (laughs) correct so so using these time pockets urza starts trying to gather a team of planeswalkers building an ultimate weapon with the end goal of fighting off the Phyrexians once and for all. He's like a, like an interdimensional Samuel Jackson. Yeah. Kind of he's, he's putting, he's putting the Avengers together, but they're all planeswalkers <laughs> and none of all of them, all of them hate each other because they're these big <laughs> cool. personalities. And of course they do. Got it. So being, being an artificer, uh, you know, building guy who builds machines, um, he, he gathers together all these powerful artifacts from all over Dominaria and kind of enchants them to work together. He builds this, this airship. So we get into like this weird realm of like sky pirates for a while in magic's history. Fuck. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Motherfucking Good. sky pirates. Um, so he builds Matt's a, back in. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I, oh, I yeah. love throwing out these phrases that get Matt back on board. 
Um, I, I like, I never go out. I just kind of like zone into acceptance. <laughs> it's like, yeah, yes. okay. All right, sure. Fine, whatever. Wait, fucking Sky Pirates? So that, that's where I'm at. So um, he, he collects all these artifacts together um, on a ship he built called the Weatherlight, um, which happens, he, he collapsed an entire other plane into a small stone to power the Weatherlight. Um, which is a whole story in of itself that like I didn't have time to put in this. <laughs> so those artifacts, the Weatherlight and Karn, all get kind of transformed into the legacy weapon, which is this big world-ending weapon you need all the parts of to fire, detonate, whatever you need to get knights of the round and go under water yes. for 20 minutes so that you can fight it yeah exactly the idea being open the portal shoot the legacy weapon through it destroy phyrexia once and for all if i'm reading this card right when if it were ever to be destroyed off the battlefield it just goes back into your deck yeah like so, it just never goes away yeah um, I don't know how that if that necessarily ties in with like what it does in the story. Sure. It's just that's kind of there just to ensure you paid seven mana for your artifact. You You're got gonna five get it. colors together. You're gonna get it. You might just have to wait <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Um so in that picture, by the way, are all like are all the artifacts and pieces that uh uh, make up the legacy weapon you've got karn you've got a bunch of gems you've got the weather light in the background a, a book. just like this this poor man's head yeah whose it, fucking head is that man that's uh well it's a uh, we'll get to yeah, that yeah it's it's but it, that's isn't... urza yeah it's urza that's just urza, chilling yeah. in front of him isn't it yeah that's urza in the picture with karn karn is holding urza um oh we'll... it looks like he just like has his head on a <laughs> like, it does here's my weapon <laughs> well put a pin in that um <laughs> oh boy okay um because urza at this time has two he's got two power stones that replaced his eyes whole thing um oh <laughs> uh, he's not samuel jackson he's thanos yeah so he's yeah. whole thing there With but his he's infinity eyes those two yeah. stones are part of the legacy weapon his eyes are part of the legacy his, weapon his infinity disembodied head <laughs> <laughs> um, infinity face so Urza, like, it, like realizes like this legacy weapon, the the assembled parts of the legacy weapon might not need enough. He would need kind of a person to wield the legacy weapon, and he like manipulates these families into having a son that he kind of bioengineers to be the perfect soldier. Not great stuff. Very eugenicsy. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, um, but that soldier is born and raised and trained um, and named Gerard, Gerard Capuchin. And um, it, he, is a, he is a swashbuckling sky pirate, if you look in your picture. <laughs> um, he, is, he is Captain Flynn. He is he's the guy. He's, you know, kind of created to be this. Oh, yeah. This, he fucks. Yeah. This white mannered guy. Um, and he is destined to be the ultimate weapon against Phyrexia. He will be the ultimate white guy. Yeah. <laughs> he, there it is. He's yeah. the shadow, the hedgehog of this universe. Yeah. 
more or less. <laughs> um, so we'll we'll jump back. Oh, we've kind of this is that's what Urza's been doing. We'll kind of go back to what Yogmoth's been doing this whole time. Um, he's been you know trapped on Phyrexia. He's still working on creating the perfect techno zombie. Um, but he wants <laughs> he wants to find his way back to Dominaria. Those those words put together either mean these like weird monstrous robot like zombie things or, or like zombie Daft Punk. It's, yeah, yeah, it is. That is <laughs> my the favorite Dead Mouse album. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so can I go wait, ahead. I have a, a quick question. Yeah. Yogmoth at this point has has he yet become a battle arena or is he a being of other shape and size? He at this point is kind of like. Not the battle arena. That's a very specific moment, but he is he is Phyrexia and Phyrexia is him. Like he's achieved like perfect autonomy over all the beings of Phyrexia. Like like ego. Like yeah. MCU Star Lord's dead. Very much. Very much like yeah. the ego. Okay. Um, I was gonna cool, say I was gonna say Gozer and Ghostbusters. Yeah. Oh, um, Gozer is also good, yes. <laughs> he Whatever he has done on Phyrexia is like it is complete. He has he has done it. It is his vision and it is terrible. It is terrifying and and perfect all at the same time. Um so Urza is he is trying to come back to Dominaria, wipe it out, assimilate it into the Phyrexians, uh kill Urza. Um and his plan to do that involves creating this artificial plane called wrath so he births a new plane into existence however he does it the magic he uses to create it he can teleport his armies to wrath but he can't do it anywhere else um which is important the whole planeswalking hurdle is what is keeping yogmoth trapped on phyrexia so he gr- he grows and grows and grows wrath um, until it cannot be contained anymore. And it overlays itself onto Dominaria, which is this terrible event. Like imagine an entire plane of existence crashing into earth, what that would mean. And it's full of Phyrexians, full of these awful, awful monsters creates another time rift this you know another scar in time and space and the phyrexian invasion begins phyrexians are just pouring into dominaria and fucking shit up <laughs> is is dominaria the stand in for earth is that like the, is it, that the idea it, yeah it's it's the like the high fantasy earth it's the okay. yeah so the people of dominaria band together um, under Gerard's leadership, he's kind of the he's the the human face of the war. Um, he pilot he's the the pilot, the captain of the Weatherlight, and they they do their best to hold off the Phyrexians. Meanwhile, Urza builds nine of what are called Titan suits. And the best way there's a picture of him in the image. <laughs> yeah, there is. But the mm-hmm. best way to think of him at home are these like planeswalker powered. Mechs. Hell so yeah, we have mechs now. We have this mechs is the best now. <laughs> they kind of look like Big Daddies from Bioshock. Yeah, 
this is a sci-fi fantasy bingo card. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is yeah. Great. <laughs> we check all the boxes as we go through this. Yeah, Big yeah. Daddy definitely like the creators of Bioshock definitely were familiar with magic when they created the Big Daddy. Um, yeah. So Urza, the nine, the eight other planeswalkers who's who've teamed up with him, all take the Titan suits to Phyrexia, and that he's got them strapped up with bombs. The whole you know, the whole plan is to get to the core of Phyrexia, drop the bombs off, blow them up, and get out of Dodge. They, they do the first half of that. They get to the core of Phyrexia, and that is where Yogmoth is. He is now in roughly his arena, giant living arena state. Iron Maiden's the wall. Iron Maiden's the wall. Urza is so like impressed and overwhelmed and just like realized kind of how out of his league he is at this moment that he has a complete and I think part of it too is he's he's partially corrupted by Yogmoth at this point like they just fought through like nine levels of hell to get to the to the core he he cha- has a change of heart surrenders to Yogmoth on the condition that they like work together to continue to achieve Yogmoth's vision. Uh, maybe with a little less like torture and, and needless death. Mm. Yogmoth says, hell nah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Forces Urza to like set basically tells Urza like bow and swear fealty to me or die. And you have to prove your loyalty to me by killing your effectively son Gerard in combat and reveals that Gerard has been kidnapped in there the whole time. So that explains what we were seeing. And that is, that is on, the, the thing you see in that image. Yeah. yeah. Is Gerard going to, to That's, uh, image number three for those of you playing at home image yeah. number three for those of you playing at home, they fight. Urza kind of like snaps out of it and um, realizes that Yogmoth's control it, manipulating him, controlling him, whatever, and allows Gerard to behead him. Urza lets Gerard chop his head off so that mm-hmm. Gerard can escape. There it um, is. Yeah. Um, Urza, or Gerard takes Urza's head because it's still got two pieces of the legacy weapon in his eyes. And as they're escaping, Urza's decapitated head speaks to Gerard and basically says, like, I'm a planeswalker. I'm I don't I'm not tied to this body. Beheading me doesn't kill me. Um, And I'm being kept alive by these pieces of the legacy weapon in my eyes. And that is what you see in that other image where Karn was holding a head. Karn is holding. And I've got actually. Image number 18. Which, is... So let's talk about 18 because 18 <laughs> is, is a Rush album. Like I've seen that. I have that Rush album. It definitely exists. It's, it's either Rush or Trans-Siberian Orchestra because it also <laughs> yeah. looks very TSO. Yeah. Um, for those of you not able to see it right now, 18 is an image of Urza's head on a metal crank um in some kind of workshop 
and it is it is it it's is just great. that it is urza's decapitated head there's a clapping monkey in the background yeah it's like it's surprisingly serene not to i can't read all the books but one of the books in the background says sibling rivalry <laughs> um <laughs> There's something some living living something now. Like I'm sure all the books are tied to so, either his story or missing his body. So um Wizards has done three joke sets now as well. Nice. They've done three kind of joke sets of magic. Um this is an image from one of those joke sets. Um so that's why like all the all the stuff in the background is kind of self-referential to this stuff. Mm, um yeah. But it was actually it was also just the best picture of Urza's decapitated head that I could find. So I'm doing a Google search, and this is a this is a newer planeswalker, and the the text on the card literally is head to askurza.com. Like that's the instruction. So it was the the most recent joke set. They built a whole website around the the functioning of this card. Not important, but if you want, go to askurza.com. Um, kind of taps into like all the crazy powers Urza has wielded over the years. So yeah, where did I end up? Oh, Urza's decapitated head kept alive by the legacy weapon. Cool. Um, Yogmoth follows Gerard through the portal that is now opened to Dominaria. Finally, like returning to the plane he's sought to return to for thousands and thousands of years. Um. And he's on Dominaria. It's, this is it. Like, it's happening. Um, Urza and Karn and Gerard all learn how to activate the legacy weapon. They get all the parts together on the weatherlight. Um, Gerard has to die in the process. Like, that's part of it is, like, Urza built in that, like, cost of human life so you don't detonate it for no reason or whatever. Um, and Karn, Karn does it. Karn kills Gerard, activates the legacy weapon, kills Yogmoth. Nice. Urza being, you know, containing two of the pieces has to be there. He dies in the process. Gerard obviously dies in the process. And the cool thing is in the process, Karn absor absorbs Urza's planeswalker spark and becomes a planeswalker. This the first like non living or artificially created planeswalker. Hmm. And he leaves Dominaria. So by this point, Karn had grown such a fan following that people were like, give us more Karn. The internet wants more Karn. More yes. Karn or we riot. And the cool yeah. thing about I'll, I'll, Karn is a Karn is not affiliated with any color. Where like Urza is all color, like knows mm -hmm. all colors of magic. Karn kind of practices colorless magic and is a colorless planeswalker, yeah. which, is which is very really kick ass. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of the like that's that's the end of the Phyrexian invasion. Phyre Dominaria Ooh. is now safe from Phyrexia, give or take, you know, the few the remaining um, minions that are on Dominaria, but like Yogmoth is no longer trying to destroy Dominaria. Um, Urza feel Urza is dead, but Phyrexia is effectively destroyed and sealed off from the rest of the, the multiverse. Okay. Questions, concerns, comments. Cool. It's it is it is surprisingly I well I am surprised at how 
well I'm following the story so far. <laughs> I'm yeah. I'm really liking this. Yeah. Right? This is really good. It's surprisingly good. Like it makes sense and these are all like I it's not incredibly convoluted. Like it sounds more con- convoluted than it actually is. Once you yeah. get past like the names and the and the like the MacGuffin yeah. of it all, like it is a very cool story. Yeah. I yeah. Like, so let me ask you this, and and maybe you I don't know this I know this is a lot of this is before you're when you were actually playing the game. So can you explain a little bit how does the story develop as the expansions come out or rather is the story kind of like the backdrop like to to explain the cards like did this story already happen or when these cards were released or so you you can play the game and enjoy the game completely without understanding any of the story um the story is released in parts as the sets come out um so usually The sets are the sets at the time were grouped into like chunks of three. So like three sets would tell their own complete story and have story beats from this story, like interwoven in between that. So okay. like each set effectively is a chapter of this story. Got if it. you want to so think about it that way. How many years or, or, or expansions have we just covered? So magic, magic, the gathering was re- first released in 1993. Um, we just hit 2000, 2001. Oh, okay. Oh, so we're wow, about okay. seven years into the story. Got it. Okay. There, there were, so the, the first three sets didn't have any of the story in it. Um, there were some offshoots that like we wrapped up in like one sentence, like the whole, um, mm-hmm. the whole, like what the weather light is powered by a collapsed plane was a whole set. And that like, we got everything we needed out of that set for this, this story. <laughs> that was, that that was the filler sentence. episode. Yeah. Um, so like, that's why it's spread, it spread out over so many years is just cause like some sets mm-hmm. are just like, and this is what's relevant to this yeah. story. Sometimes, sometimes you fight Frieza on the planet Nemec for 23 episodes. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I do want to like, and, and I don't mean this in any way to be a dig. Nope. Go for Kingdom it. Hearts. But I think that it's really interesting how much easier I feel like it yep. is to follow the magic story than oh, the yeah. Kingdom Hearts story. Yeah, I wanted to die after. Well, okay, so <laughs> this is some funny side content. So when when we were um, planning to do this episode, I was texting Kyle. Kyle was saying like how excited he was, and I was like, "Yeah, just wait, just wait until you watch those six hours of un uh, unsupported lore videos." And uh, <laughs> First off, Kyle was like, um, no need. It's all in here, big cat. Second yeah. off, which is, is, we'll talk about that in a separate thread. Uh, but, but second, I think that definitely goes to show the cohesiveness. But, you know, both, both pieces of content or both pieces of literature had 15 years of development. And, yeah. you know, Ma- Magic did it a lot fucking better. And yeah. it, it helped. I mean, I think it definitely helped. Like, Magic didn't, they didn't have to release all of the story at like all of that part of the story at once. You can so, titrate like, they, it. Yeah. They could spread, they spread it out. They didn't have, like didn't have to dump all the content at one time so they could figure out how to do it. And you um, have to work with Disney. <laughs> you didn't have to work. <laughs> yeah. In Disney. I think that's the part I wasn't going to bring up, but yeah, that part. Yeah. Um, so there is, there, we're, we're not quite done with Dominaria. Dominaria is, um, 
Um, it's got all these time riffs. It's got those scars from these big Oops, events. Oops, all riffs. And those are bad. Those are not good news. So um, we're, we're going to jump ahead. Um, I think it's another 100 years or something from the the Phyrexian invasion. And, and Karn is off planes walking around, learning about his new abilities, um, seeing what other planes have to offer, et cetera, et cetera. But he leaves probes on Dominaria, just little alarm, al- an alarm system, basically, to let him know, hey, the Phyrexians are like back or this is bad. Come, just pop back in. One such probe becomes corrupted through whatever reason um, and becomes this powerful wish granting artifact known as the Mirari. You know, anyone who finds it, like they'll touch it and they'll immediately see like their, their greatest wishes come to life. Um, it's like the mirror, mirror of Esdrid in Harry Potter. Um, uh, mirror of Erised. Yeah. Thank you. I can't yep. spell or read or talk. Um, That's okay. Same. Um, the the catch being it is it is also a giant monkey's paw so like in in the process of having your dream fulfilled everyone around you dies and suffers mm-hmm. and blah 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 yikes um, as you do as yep. as mm-hmm. it happens pretty pre- standard fare so a, a a minor war breaks out over um the Marari. N- not a, not nearly on the level of two battling planes seeking domination over each other but like a, a small island continent goes to war over the Smarari. Um, it changes hands a few times. That means different things in that story. But it ends up in the hands of the barbarian Kamal. Um, I think I've got two pictures of him in there because he starts out as a red barbarian, has a change of heart, and goes all druidic. And um, he's one of my favorite like minor characters in the story. Um, oh yeah he's cool yeah he looks kind of like if steve stone cold steve austin like stayed buff and <laughs> yeah. laid off the beers yeah. um <laughs> he he gets it realizes what it is that it's too dangerous to to let anyone have and he like he puts it on his sword and like jams his sword into the ground in the middle of this you know dangerous inhabitable forest and lets it and like and he he leaves it there and like meditates while it while it's there to protect it or whatever so the marari its power kind of spills out into the forest and all of dominaria by extension and it just starts warping the magic and the citizens of this plane with new shapes and weird powers and it's all in the story of um odyssey and on the odyssey and onslaught blocks well yada yada the details but a a there is an angel there is a an undead woman not quite a zombie but a zombie woman and a human woman all merge with the marari become this like this war god corona who is like the manifestation of all the mana on dominaria who ends up defeated another time rift um this causes karn to come back um he he takes the marari away with him and uses it basically as a seed to create his own plane 
he's like he has this moment of like well i've got these godlike powers i've always wanted to see what this life thing was about i'm gonna create life and creates his own plane called mirrodin um which is this this artifact land it's a metal a metal world how difficult or how easy is it to create your own universe or it's your not, own world so, asking universe. for a friend so as yeah. well uh, we don't get too into it here um it's not easy um so Yag yeah. yogmoth did it and like he couldn't maintain it and it collapsed and spilled into dominaria mm -hmm. um you seem to have a lot of these situations where it's like I'll make my own world with my own with blackjack yeah. and hookers. Yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> Karn, exactly. And Karn does it, and um, and he he screws it up too. And that and that whole plane. We'll we'll get to that. Okay, um, but it doesn't go well whenever anyone tries to create their own plane. So, jump ahead another. I have a thousand in my notes. I think it's it's less than that. Jump ahead again. Karn is off creating Mirrodin, or he's created it and left it to do its own thing. And all of the time rifts left all over Dominaria finally come home to roost. Um, the plane is almost entirely out of mana. Um, there are earthquakes and explosions and just and people gobbled up by like time anomalies left and right. It's bad. It's a, a, an, apop an apocalyptic state on Dominaria. Tefiri, finally, he comes back to Dominaria. Um, he's blue aligned, if I didn't specify that. Blue aligned time mage. Can you um, just refresh me on who Tefiri is? Uh, Idris Elba. Got it. Yeah. What, yep. what the fuck has he been doing this whole time? Yeah. Um, he just, he's just like, yo, what's up? I'm back. Yeah, more or less. <laughs> because of plot, I'm here now. Yeah, what's up? More or less. He was, he was one of the nine in like the Titan suits. Okay. And then after mm -hmm. that, he went and, and, um dicked off but sure. um so tafiri comes back and it's just and is like all right we gotta repair some of these time rifts or like the whole multiverse could collapse on in on dominaria um it it bad it real bad so he he assembles a team um he's got some of the some of the planeswalkers who were there with fighting the phyrexian invasion he's got a got a new one named uh Venser who's a a blue aligned teleportation mage he's got a an elf woman who's like a a battle mage who's another planeswalker and they get to work closing these time rifts up and healing the world and the only way they really know how to do that or they find out how to do it is um is like Tafiri does this big spell. He he's from Dominaria originally, so he and his home world is one of the his hometown is one of the places affected by these time rifts. He like heals the time rift over his world and realizes he's lost his planeswalker spark. So like that's kind of the cost of doing this. Um so they go they go around, they they do close all these time rifts. Um Nicole Bolas from the beginning of our story is there. the dragon. Yeah, yeah. The dragon. He recognizes that, that these time rifts are bad and going to negatively affect the whole universe, which he lives in. So he's like, yeah, I'll help you close them up. Um, he actually, he kills another planeswalker and uses their spark to close his time rift rather than give ah. up his own. Cause he's a power hungry dragon. 
Um, it's fair. And they they do it. They close the time rifts. Um, Karn, Karn was there as well. He closes one and like in the process, like as he's losing his spark, he's like, peace, I'm going to Mirrodin. Like, I'll be there if you need me because I can't planeswalk anymore. And um, they they do it. They save the multiverse. Um, this is known as the mending. And kind of the repercussions of this, this is what depowers planeswalkers to allow them to be like represented on cards. Mm. Oh. So now, okay. now planeswalkers are more on the average power level of your, they're, they're on the power level of their like, an above average magic user, but that's it. And then, okay. and then it can, they can teleport. To and other correct me if I'm planes. wrong, Kyle, but like mechanically, this is a big change in math. So this, the following, the set following this wizards introduces its first five planeswalker cards ever. Um, it's a big deal. Everyone's either super happy or super upset about it, depending on what side of it you land on. They're nerds, so usually the latter. It's it's the mm-hmm. first it's the first new type of card they introduced to Magic since 1993. That's like, holy crazy. shit! They, that's that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. What huh. year did that happen? This was. I'm gonna mess this. This up. next card says 2018. That's way too late. This was. I was in. I would have been in, I was in high school, my junior year. So like 2006, 2007, this yeah, happened. Holy shit. That's amazing. Uh, wow. Yeah. Huge deal. Um, best financial decision Wizards made because Planeswalker cards yeah. end up super popular and they sell billions of. That is the entire reason why you can go to a comic book store and buy individual cards for 25 bucks. Yeah. And more so. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like, so this is like, I would map on, because this is like when I got into it. Um, I would map this on to the difference between like Warcraft two and Warcraft three. Yeah, which is like okay. adding the idea of adding heroes. Like that was what yeah. was happening in a lot of strategy games at this point, and that's where everything was going. So it was like, okay, well, we're gonna add in heroes to you know kind of drive this a little further. Yeah. So, um, this is a big. This is a big deal. Like. In the story, it's a big deal too. I don't want to like discount that because we're doing the lore cast and like all of a sudden all these planeswalkers who thought they were immortal have already been alive for thousands and thousands of years are like faced with their own mortality. Um, but like also huge ramifications for the game. Um, so Nicole Bolas helped close the time rifts, suddenly realizes he's like immediately depowered lost his immortality super upset about it like his whole yeah i don't think he would be the guy to be cool with that his whole thing until now was like being the most powerful and he lost almost all his power in an instant um so that kind of launches our second arc that'll be what kind of what i cover in arc two is nicole bolus's plot to regain his power um awesome yeah sweet but we've got a we've got a little post log here on mirrodin um so karn with our with our silver boy karn with our silver boy karn (laughs) so karn 
is isolated on Mirrodin. Um, He, in his battles with Phyrexia, kind of picked up that Phyrexian oil that transforms things into new Phyrexians. Oh, shit. Mm -hmm. So Mirrodin becomes corrupted with this Phyrexian oil. Um, The seeds are kind of there when we first, the first time they go to Mirrodin, they go back to Mirrodin in the, in the, game as well which um um and it starts to become new phyrexia like literally called new phyrexia um karn himself is corrupted he goes insane trying to like fight off this corruption but also like succumbing to it he believes himself to be the new lord of machines which you might remember was yogmoth's old title and hell yeah and he's trying to fight off this corruption and save his plane, but losing. Um, he's about to to completely succumb to the oil's influence and become the new Lord of Machines when uh, Venser, who came to Mirrodin to find Karn for whatever reason, um, he sacrifices himself to purify karn gives him his gives karn another planeswalker spark so he planeswalk again and karn kind of is freed from his madness um unfortunately it's too little too late mirrodin has completely become new phyrexia now and karn is forced to leave his created plane to this infection and that is where we will end that's so Man. cool. I, wow. I like that. I love new Phyrexia. Yes. This is fucking um, rad. <laughs> yeah. Right? I'm so into this. Yeah. Isn't it just like a cool story? Yeah. It's yeah. Really I'm, cool. I, yeah. I came in um, full admission. I came in skeptical because I thought this was going to be another whole like we created a big story or we created a card game. Oh, we need a storyline now. It's going to be bad. No, it's um, really good. Yeah, yeah, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, this yeah. was not this definitely. So you kind of asked earlier, like, did the story was the story kind of retrofit to the, the game or vice versa? And the answer is really like, as they made each set, they figured mm-hmm. out the story before yeah. and released it all at once. Like it was not a like oh, no, we have the cards. What are we going to do with them? It's like the yeah. story serves the game and the game well, serves the story. It's funny, too, because I, you know, like I said, I've, I've been in and out, and this is where we are is the exact point when I started playing, like, New Phyrexia. Like, I know yeah. that name. Yeah. And it's really cool to get that context because, you know, for, for those of you that are, like, maybe not super familiar, all, all of the, a lot of the different expansions it just looks like fantasy garble, but those are all like actual planes and like places that all connect back to this. So it, it really is like way deeper than it appears, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that you could, you could have absolutely no idea and be none the wiser. Yeah. Right. And I will, I will just throw this out because it is, it is the, my, like I love, I can't wait for when they get to it again. They have not touched new Phyrexia since about 2009 when mm. the set came out they've kind of like they've they've hopped back in like some some bonus sets that pull things from everywhere but like they've not told 
they they told how it transformed and then they have not done anything with it because they've been focused on the Nicole Bolas story that I've kind of teased at. So, well, it's cool that that you know that is a thing. Yeah, and especially uh, some of the implications of what's been hit, like of the big bads in the second part of the story. There are things introduced that we haven't talked about yet that I hope come to fight Pyrexia, because that is just super cool. Yeah. Um, Kyle, thank you. Thank you for this. Yeah, man. Questions. Anything you want to clarify? Any, like, just any, just last cries before we sign off and, and release this into the world? Yeah. My, my questions will probably, at least for me personally, best be held over to the next one where I'm going to ask you to make wild assumptions as to what happens next, because that's my favorite thing that we do sometimes. Um, but I think I'm, I'm golden here. Okay. I think, I think you'll, you'll be able to, once I introduce the other things, you might be able to figure out what I hope happens next. Cause it's do every, do we think that they split into teams and go back in times to collect the infinity gems? (laughs) (laughs) No. Oh, okay. Um, Andrew, did you have anything? I I just wanted to say I personally can't wait until we get into uh, the Vampires of Innistrad because that's my personal <laughs> favorite. Um, Innistrad definitely ties into part two, so it, we'll we'll go back. We'll get we'll get there. We'll get there. Patience, patience, <laughs> young one. Um, I guess the only thing I have is like, well, I mean, first off, I I didn't say it when everybody else did, but thanks, man. Like this was awesome. Um, super rad and super good time. But uh, for people like me who enjoyed the shit out of all of this and are now interested of like, all right, I I I see the drug. I like the drug. How do I start? Where do I begin? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. What's the tell me? Tell me. How do you get and, your first taste? You know, me asking for a friend who's definitely not me. How how do what's next? So um, if you're interested in just the lore, we'll put some link. I'll put I'll um, put some links in the show notes to like some other crash courses that hit on a bit more of the details, go a bit more into the the long fantasy names that I didn't want to bog you down with through this. Um, so we'll we'll definitely get you some links to some more of the the story, because like, as I said, these, this was an overview of the whole book and like every chapter of the book tells its own like equally deep story. <laughs> so it's just, there's a lot that we haven't unpacked that you can unpack on your own. And if you like this and want to see it on the cards, find someone who plays magic. They've got an extra deck and are dying to play with someone new. I'm sure. Um, and just, Ask him to teach you the game. Matt, it's... Matt, I've got a couple pre-built decks for you. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, yeah. Hey, Kyle, maybe I think a fun, a fun way to close this out. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit? Do you want to go over, like, what is your, like, top one or two favorite decks you've built? And then tell us, do you have any anecdotes of you playing this competitively? Um, so, yeah. So, I, I really like playing um, artifact-based decks because they, mm-hmm. they're broken and they do kooky things um but my favorite one i've played that i can remember was my like it was a blue a mono blue deck lovingly titled big dumb artifacts 
that the whole point was just <laughs> um, generating a ton of mana that would power out these big, like, 10, 11, 12 cost cards, which is really high for magic, if you don't know, and just and then just beat my opponent to death with them. Um, I played com- semi-competitively in high school. I would go to, like, there was a local game local comic book stores would have like little tournaments every friday night that i would go and play in doing okay enough in those i felt i could go to a more regional sized one um and how'd that go it, <laughs> i did fine i <laughs> yeah i i like i i think i top 64 to top 32 okay which sure. isn't terrible yeah, but like i i definitely like i had two or three good games and then it just got like steamrolled the rest of the day yeah um yeah. so i this was this was like what i did in <laughs> middle school and high school um when i wasn't in school or in drama like this was my hobby this is my nerd cred and it's it's nerdier than all your nerd creds um <laughs> It's not nerdier, just different. It, sure. <laughs> Being a nerd isn't a competition, Kyle. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Well, it's I like not. how quickly how quickly Andrew jumped on that one. <laughs> I was just gonna let it be there. It's like, no, no, no. Uh, I'm sorry. Did you play a real time uh st- or text based RPG massively <laughs> multiplayer RPG? Because I sure as fuck did. Do you if you want me to answer the no, but question, I did it's no. give <laughs> Yeah. I did give I did give Wizards of the Coast thousands and thousands of dollars to play this <laughs> game. That. I have a I have a fond memory of uh of me and Kyle actually uh in Meyer at 1.30 in the morning with I was holding a case of beer and fourteen like fourteen booster packs of magic cards. <laughs> and it was just me and Kyle. I looked at Kyle and like, what are we doing with our lives? <laughs> It was like I might have been twenty three, you know. You like, you haven't played Magic if you yeah. haven't looked at the things you were about to buy, <laughs> seen the co- the total you were about to spend, mm-hmm. and just been like, <sighs> what I like, like what I like was like, like that's you know like that's a, a week of groceries. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> yep, it sure was. Yep. Like you were given the choice between choosing booster packs for magic or like eating vegetables and you're like ah todd i had jimmy john's every day so I was <laughs> yeah this is this was when when we were working jobs that like we yeah. could get two of our three meals a day from at, at work yeah. so yeah that's fair why not spend that money on magic card exactly so thanks thanks everyone for listening this has been a our first magic episode of flavor text a podcast within a podcast of debate this um if you like what you hear please follow listen subscribe on social media at debate this cast um or our website debatethiscast.com. um and if you have any issue or want to come play magic with us come meet us behind the swing sets please.